Open our lips, O God, that our mouths might proclaim your praise. Amen. You wouldn't think it would be so hard to see. This man today is really just simply wishing for his sight, and in so doing becomes part of this huge storm. We hear the story, he is sitting there begging. The disciples walk by and say, okay, Jesus, who sinned? Because if someone's in this state, someone did something wrong, right? So it must be either his parents or him. I mean, someone did something wrong for this person to be in this state of life. So who was it? And Jesus says, no, it's not about that at all. It has nothing to do with how this person is in this point of life. What this is about is this man today will become an epiphany of God if you can see it. And so Jesus goes up and makes this little mud pie with his spit, which is kind of nasty if you think about it, but it's, you know, it's Jesus. And, and, and it's not a coincidence that he does this. It's the Sabbath, and there were rules against healing on the Sabbath, very clear rules. You don't do healing. Six days is plenty of time to heal people. You can take one day off and rest. God rested, we should rest. And you weren't supposed to need bread. If you had bread for the Sabbath, you did it the day before because that was work, and you didn't do work on the Sabbath. It could have been a pure coincidence. I'm guessing it wasn't. Jesus sees the man, sees the need, decides to knead a little bit of mud pie and smear it in his eye and says, now go give thanks to God, like the law says. Now, there's a sermon right there, healing and giving thanks. We'll save that one for another day, but it's a huge connection. And so the man does, and he comes back, and obviously he's been transformed because he looks kind of different, and some people are saying, is that the same guy? And some are saying, yeah, it's him, but others are saying, no. It looks like him. Have you ever been in that place like, no, that can't be what I'm seeing. Because their, their brains aren't at a place of figuring out how is it that this guy is seeing. And so now he's coming back to a, a whole new level of judgment. It was bad enough the disciples are judging him, and now the community's judging him. It, it can't be him. How could he be in this place? And so they become divided. And now you would think they'd leave him alone then. But no, now they've got to take him to the religious leaders. We'll get them to settle this. What's going on here? This man says he's been healed, says this Jesus did it. Let's take him. They're the ones. They'll settle it. So they bring him to him, and, and now another series of questions. And the leaders are in this kind of bind that they have self-accepted. Some will see, and some will say, if this guy got healed... We should be paying attention. And others were to say, no, I don't think so, because in our understanding, you don't heal on the Sabbath, first of all, and you certainly don't do what this guy just described, needing on the Sabbath. And we will hear later at the end of the gospel Jesus' judgment saying, if you say you see, you're not seeing. And I want to hold that up for all of us, because it's so easy in these stories. We always want to have the good guys and the bad guys. And it's always amazing to me how coincidentally I end up in the good guy category. You know, you ever felt that? <laughs> yeah, Jesus, you and me. I get it. 
And they really are us. Because in reality, what I find in myself is the more anxious I am, the more black and white I want it. When my life's crazy, I just want some order. Just leave this one thing alone, would you please? I got enough going on. When communities get anxious, they tend to be more black and white. We as a species, when we get anxious, we want it clear. And, and biologists and anthropologists will observe some really crazy behavior that we as a species do when we're anxious communally. And the first thing is to say it's either this or it's that. Just simplify it. And so lest we say, those guys are the Pharisees are the bad guys, and these ones are the Pharisees are the good ones, and of course, I'll just ask you, how anxious is our time today? And it's good to remember, every generation's been anxious. Those who say they see have already not seen. So they ask him how he's healed. They're struggling. Some think it's him. Some think it's not. Some think it's maybe this Jesus should be paying attention to. Others are saying, no, I know what we'll do. Let's just drag the parents in, who, of course, you know what the parents do. They're like, no way. He's an adult. They run. So they bring him back again. Yeah, you think about the next Passover dinner. I bet there was some conversation in that family. (laughs) So they bring him back again, and this thing is becoming almost a farce if it weren't so poignantly painful. Tell us once again, and the guy is like, I just want to see and go home. Okay, what did he do again? How did he do it? Yeah, he broke the Sabbath again, didn't he? What about this mud patch? And what's amazing is that this guy has not only regained his sight and been healed, but he's becoming very Christ-like. Because as they start questioning him and questioning him, finally, he does that thing that we've said about Jesus before, when, when they're trying to put the anxiety on him and make him the issue, and he goes, hmm, why do you want to keep asking these questions? You want to follow Jesus too? Man, that's very rabbinic. Throw the question back. Very Jesus-like, very Christ-like. Which, of course, drives them nuts. Who are you to tell us? Because actually, we are the ones who see. Who are you? You were born entirely in sin. And so this man, who simply wants his sight, well, again, you wouldn't think it would be so hard to see. But once again, his sight is dividing every aspect of the community. And some are choosing to see, and others are saying, no, it can't be. Perhaps there's something for all of us in this story, something we can hold on to, because if you're like me, one day I'm in that group saying, no, it can't be, and other days I'm saying, please let it be. I think I'm seeing Part of the hope in this story is that the word that Jesus keeps coming. Jesus finds the man. Jesus will again find the man. Jesus keeps coming to us. Jesus keeps coming with healing and sight. Whether we find ourselves in a place of begging or whether we're in a place of authority and power and 
think we've got it and whatever, Jesus just shows up for us again and again and again. And some days, in some of these stories, he just lays hands and heals. And other days, he decides we need a mud patch. I don't know why, but some days I need different things than others. And Jesus knows what I need that day. And what we hear the gospel writer saying is that for those who choose to see, resistance will come. And sight will continue, and in fact, it will grow. And you too will be Christ-like in the moment. Now you do have to wonder if, wow, while this guy's going through all this interrogation, where is Jesus? Jesus shows up at the end of the story, but in fact, again, what we realize is that Jesus has been there the whole time because the guy is embodying Jesus. He has become the epiphany of Jesus in that space for all those people. The word doesn't leave. It manifests differently. Jesus finds him again, but Jesus has been there the whole time. The word never leaves. It is a word for Lent, this season when we're seeking to be healed, this season when we're seeking to be reconciled, where we are praying, help us to see the planet differently. Help us to see each other differently. Help us to see our city, our state, our country, our world differently. Help us to see ourselves differently. And that's not just a nice, polite question, a nice, polite people. Think of these stories we've heard the last several weeks. From the woman at the well to Nicodemus to this story, people are asked to be, they are being asked to see very differently. And God and Jesus are asking us to see very differently. I don't know what you're wrestling with this Lent. There's some things I'm being asked to see very differently. And my anxiety gets going at times. But I have to remember, the reason we're being asked to see differently is because Easter's around the corner. And Pentecost is around the corner. And if we can find the ability to stay together and hear these hard things, then indeed this new life's going to come. The words in our midst and the sight is right here. And it's right there. And it's right there. And it's right there. And it's right there. Right in our midst. We live in a world that really, as a species, we just love the status quo. Biologists tell us that biology loves homeostasis. And biology really doesn't like things getting shaken up. And again, we do some really bizarre things as species to keep that. But for those who choose to see, the sight doesn't dim. In fact, it will keep growing. Jesus manifested in us even more. The world has always been full of fear. The world has always been full of fear-fed choices. And the Word has always been in the world. In the midst is the one who seeks us, whose presence is here, whether we're recognizing it or not. And so what the man who is born blind will learn and what we, through him, will learn is that for those who wish to see, sight is always in our midst. 